because you were playing so loud and it was different. I thought you were trying to... Yeah, that was good, huh? Man, it's good to sing songs about Jesus. I mean, that's why we're here, right? Uh, to worship Him. Uh, good morning, my name's Tony Baker, and I am the lead pastor here at Gateway. And uh, today is week five of our six-week series called Unstoppable, the Kingdom of God through the Book of Acts. You know, when times are uncertain, when times are insecure, when times just, you know, are unsure and there's a lot of fear, it's always good to be reminded that we aren't the only ones who have faced tough times since the time that Jesus was raised from the dead. As a matter of fact, we've been in the last days since the resurrection. And uh, Jesus warned us that in the last days, there's going to be trouble, and there's going to be trials, and there's going to be tribulation. Uh, I want to remind you that the COVID virus is not the worst thing that the church has faced since Jesus' resurrection. Just remember that. I know we like to pick every generation has picked their moment and their crisis, and it's been it. And it might be. But I just think God's got more work to do in this earth because God's renewing this earth. Since the resurrection, the power of what we just sang about today, the blood of Christ, the resurrection of Christ, is renewing it. You know how I know that? Because my life is better today than before I first met Him. He's renewing me. He's renewing you. He's renewing our world. This is not the worst time in our history. It's a challenging time. I think, though, most of us are probably more challenged because our lives have been disrupted. And that speaks a lot for itself right there, right? God's church is unstoppable. There is nothing that can stop it. So I want to start today by saying this. God's will can be hard to know and understand. Right? I mean, I'm not talking about God's universal will. You know God's universal will. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. It is God's will that none should perish. It is God's will that Jesus is Lord and that we believe and trust in Him and we put our faith in Him and we follow Him. We read about Him. We want to be more like Jesus because He is the perfect Adam, the perfect human. But He's also God. And so we want to be Christ-like. As a matter of fact, the goal of the Christian life in many ways, is holiness. And holiness is Christ-likeness. It's being perfected in love. It's our hearts being perfected so that we love as Jesus loved. We know that this is God's will for us. We know it's God's will for us for the Great Commission. We know that God, Jesus, before He left earth, He gave us a mission. He said, go into all the world. First in Jerusalem, then Judea and Samaria, and then the whole winds of the world. He said, go and make disciples. Teaching, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and teaching them all that I have commanded you. God has made His will, His universal will, known. 
But I'm talking about those daily decisions and circumstances that affect our lives. Should I buy this car or that car? Should I sell my home and buy this home? Should I sell all together and rent? Should I trade in all my stocks because the world's coming to a crash, right? We go to God in prayer and we want God's will. Should I buy this boat? Should I buy this toy? Should I buy this? Who should I marry, Lord? You know, I I really want to know, is this the right person? Is this the person for me? Can you just write it on the wall for me? Can you just send me a sign? I'm going to lay a fleece out. Don't ever do that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to look for a sign, Jesus, that this is your will on a daily basis. Should I quit that job and take a job in another state? And we go to prayer and we want God to reveal his will for us. And then when things get tough, why am I going through this? Why did I get sick? Why is there COVID? Why did I lose my job? What is your will in this, God? What is, what is your direction here? I expect many of you are like me. We want God to just lay it out for us, right? Nice and neat. Just put it in a, in a book and just put my name on the book. And when I hit 50, I'll open that book to the 50 chapter and I'll know exactly what you want. We want God to lay it out. We want the big picture now, but we also want the details. We want maps, and we want waypoints, and we want warning signs, and we want the turn here, don't turn there. Don't do this, do this. We want these things in our life. You know how I know it? Because we all go to prayer every day to the Lord and say, Lord, direct our paths. Make straight my path. Make it clear to me today, Lord, my wife and I like to go on hikes, and she led me into this uh, app. It's called All Trails app, and it's, it's amazing. When I was in Colorado, I just opened it up, and boom, there were all the trails. And I, when I was in South Dakota, I opened it up, oh, boom, there's all the trails. When I go out to Pokagon, I open it up, and for some reason, they don't have all the trails there. I don't understand that. I guess everybody just walks three, eight, and seven. But you open it up and it says, Pokagon Trail 3, 8, and 7. And you open it up and there it is. And there's the map. And it shows you where you're at on this all trails. And when I turn, it turns with me. It's an amazing app. But it's also an annoying app. Because it sends me notifications. You're off the trail. You're going the wrong way. Well, how would he know? How does he know where I'm going, right? This trail, this thing gives me notifications. It syncs up to my watch, and my watch shocks me. Or no, it buzzes. But it does, you know, I like to think it shocks me. And my phone's buzzing, and my watch is buzzing. And I open it up, and it's the All Trails app. And it says, hey, you, you're off the trail. Do you know that? Yeah, I know. Ignore. I had to go to the bathroom, right? And so I hit Ignore. And I think sometimes we want that from God. Man, there's a lot of decisions that you make every day, every week, every month, every year of your life. And you do wonder, is this the right decision? 
and you just want that app. God needs an app that just sends me notifications, shows me the trail, shows me where it turns right and where it turns left, lets me know if I'm on the right path. How do we know God's will on specific things in our life? I think some of us might be like the overweight man who went on a diet. Every day he would stop at the local bakery and grab a big box of donuts. And he would bring them in to his workplace. And he decided, I'm going to lose some weight. So I'm not going to bring those donuts anymore. So he gathered all of his co-workers together. And he said, hey, I'm going on this diet. I need you all to keep me accountable. And I'm not bringing donuts in anymore. And everybody's like, okay. And so for about four days, he doesn't bring any donuts. But on the fifth day, he walks into the door and he's got a giant box of donuts from the bakery. And everybody's a little confused. They're like, hey, Joe, man, what's going on? I thought you were on a diet. He goes, oh, I am, I am. He goes, but you know, he says, I really wanted a donut today. And so I just asked the Lord. I said, Lord, I'm driving by the bakery today. And he says, you know how hard it is to find a parking spot in front of the bakery. If there's a parking spot in front of the bakery, I'm going to take that as a sign that I'm supposed to pick up donuts for everybody today. And everybody went, wow, I can't believe there was a parking place in front of the... There's never parking places there at this time of day. I, it must be a God thing. You know, how did this happen? He goes, he goes, I don't know. He said, it was something of biblical proportions. It was just like the walls of Jericho on my seventh time around the block. There it was. <laughs> and I think sometimes we seek God's will like that. So the question for us today is, how do we determine the daily will of God? Whether we should do something or not. Whether we should do this or do that. Maybe we should take a turn here. Maybe we should change this. Maybe we should stop this. Maybe we should do something. So today we're in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 16. The apostle Paul learns that God is and does direct our ways to advance the kingdom of God on earth. Even when we think we know what God's will is, and even when we make mistakes, listen to me, God is there guiding and directing. God is there closing doors and opening doors through the power of His Spirit in us and around us and through us. So let me give you a little background before we get into Acts 16. Acts 15. Paul, you all remember Saul who was persecuting Christians? Now he's Paul. Now he is no longer persecuting Christians, but he's spreading Christianity all over the world. He's going all over the Mediterranean. He's he's already taken one missionary tour. And he's planted many churches and met many people and preached the gospel and led many people to the Lord. And Paul comes back to home And there's many Gentiles, when I say Gentiles, the Christian church for a while was simply in the Jerusalem area, and most Christians, almost all Christians, were were Jewish people. 
that had converted to Christianity. Actually, it wasn't a conversion. It was actually a fulfillment of their Jewish religion. Jesus didn't start a new religion. He simply fulfilled the old one. And so they were now believers as Jesus the Messiah and the the church was in Jerusalem. But then we learned last week that God, through a persecution, scattered the Christians, the Jewish Christians, all over the world. And through this dispersion, through this, this being spread like seed in a field, Gentiles began to come to Jesus. Non-Jewish people. They didn't practice the law. They didn't eat right. They didn't dress right. They didn't clean themselves up right. They didn't go to synagogue. They just weren't Jewish. They were just pagan Gentiles who had all kinds of different thoughts about a God. They had many gods. But they began to come to Jesus, and God began to save them, and it says the Spirit of God filled them. Whoa. For a Jew, that was a big deal. Because they didn't quite understand that. And so Paul has gone on his first missionary trip. Many Gentiles have come. Now, a council, because this is what we like to do in the church. When there's something that we don't fully understand, we call a committee meeting. And a council of leaders, Christian leaders in Jerusalem, forms, and they form to discuss the things that are happening amongst the Jewish people. Can you believe this? God's saving and filling them with this Holy Spirit, but these men in Jerusalem are saying, okay, well, we've got to put an end to this. If they're going to do this, they've got to be circumcised. They've got to follow the Jewish rules. They've got to become Jewish so that they can become Christian. And the council meets and demands, begins to make demands that Gentiles be circumcised and obey the old covenant law. But Paul and Barnabas, Paul, Barnabas was actually his partner and actually probably a mentor to Paul, who had been out in the Gentile churches, winning people to Jesus, seeing the miracles, seeing the Spirit filling people. Paul and Barnabas, these two, hear that this is going on at the council, and they give witness at this council meeting that this is true. The Spirit of God is filling Gentiles, and they're not practicing the Jewish religion. They're not trying to keep the law. They're not being circumcised. They're not any of that stuff. But God's still saving them, and He's filling them. So there must be something else going on here. But still, some insisted. Then Peter speaks up. Well, that Paul, he used to kill us Christians. I know he's converted, but you know, Paul, I care about what you say, brother, but I'm going to hold that against you, all right? So I think Peter felt like he had to speak up. Oh, Peter. Well, Peter. (laughs) Jesus gave you the keys to the king. Peter, you're the guy, man. Peter stands up and he takes Paul's side on this. And here's what Peter says. He says this famous statement. I think it's there. He says this in Acts chapter 15, verse 11. Peter says, No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they, the Gentiles, are. So Peter stands up and says, They don't have to be circumcised. At that moment, the Gentile church went, Woo! 
and, you know, and they don't have to keep the law. At that point, the Gentile church is like, because I don't understand all that stuff and all these food, food regulations and all this stuff. And Peter just says, we're saved by grace. And God is showing this. So everyone listens to Paul and Barnabas, tells their stories, they listen to Peter, and then they're all arguing, and James, the brother of Jesus, stands up and he speaks in this, in this, this council. And he makes this famous statement. James just takes all the arguments and he just makes this famous statement in Acts chapter 15, verse 19. He says this, It is my judgment. This is probably why James became the leader of this church. He says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. And since that day, all of us who are pastors, we we have this in our offices. We have it in front of us. It's one of our favorite passages of Scripture because we want our people to not become so religious, so closed off, so protective of their faith that they miss this. We don't want to put unnecessary requirements on people until they've come to know the grace of Jesus Christ. And you all have been part of churches, and I have and you all have, where you had to believe before you could belong. Well, we want to be a church where you can belong before you believe. And then when you believe, then you become. See, we had it backwards. But this passage, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make any dif- it difficult for the Gentiles. So all of Acts chapter 15 is about this moment. They write this letter and they send this letter. They send this letter off to the church. That's fine. Uh, don't, they, they had four things, like four things. Don't, you know, like eat blood from, you know, don't drink blood or whatever. Don't eat meat from a sacrificed idol, you know, don't have sexual morality and I I'm sorry, I can't think of the four of them. There's like four little things there, but it's like green light. Put your pedal to the metal Gentile church. The Spirit is blessing you. Go. And they send these leaders out with letters to all the churches. But Paul and Barnabas stay back. And this is where we pick up with Paul and Barnabas. Read Acts chapter 15, 36. Let's go. I'll read through verse 41. It says, Sometime later which they've all dispersed with the letter to tell them what the, Gentile, what the council agreed on. But some, Paul and Barnabas stayed back. Said to, sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit. So here's missionary trip number two. Let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we preached the word of the Lord and see how they're doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. So John, let me finish and then I'll talk about it. One more, I think there's one more slide. They had such a sharp disagreement. Paul and Barnabas, two brothers in the Lord, Two men who went on missionary trips together, who won people, Lord. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. I think they need counseling. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. 
But Paul took, chose Silas and left, commended by the believers to, to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. So Paul and Barnabas, these two giant leaders who just came together to argue the case for the Gentiles, have this sharp disagreement, and it's over Mark. Because Mark had gone with them on the first trip, and Mark just bailed on them. For whatever reason, Mark couldn't handle it. For whatever reason, Mark was scared. For whatever reason, Mark took his eye off the prize and left. Mark was younger than them. If you study through the rest of the Scripture, we come to find out that Mark and Barnabas are actually related. So maybe this is the sharp disagreement. Barnabas, who is also known as the encourager, right? Maybe Mark, he had a little bit more patience with Mark. And Barnabas, or Paul, was much more the apostle. The, the fact is fact and straight up. And he just said, no, you know, Mark can't handle it. He's not going. And they disagreed and they split up. Barnabas took Mark. Paul took Silas. And the rest is history. Now, Acts chapter 16, verse 1 through 5. I've set this up for you. Here's our text today. Paul came to Derb and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek, which means he was Gentile. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Who is Timothy? Have you all heard of Timothy? Right? I think there's a couple books of the Bible written after Timothy right? This is that Timothy. So Paul has Silas, and he hears about this disciple named Timothy, whose mother was Jewish, and his father was Greek, but the Jews would have seen Timothy as a Jewish man. They would have assumed that he had been circumcised, that he had gone up through the synagogue, that he had been trained in the way of the, the Old Testament. Paul and the Jews would have assumed this of Timothy because his mother was Jewish, but for some reason... This wasn't true. Next, path, next verse. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Does anyone find this strange? I mean, yeah, the whole circumcision thing is strange, but does anyone understand? what's happening here? I mean, isn't this the Paul who just argued that you don't have to be circumcised, that you don't have to follow the Old Testament law to be a Christian? But yet now, this is the same Paul who in Galatians later on in his ministry would write a letter to Galatia. And I mean, he called these people who insisted on circumcision dogs. Called them evil. They're stealing your faith. But yet here is Paul circumcising Timothy. <laughs> you know how brothers are. I called my brother the other day. I was sharing with him what I'm preaching on. My brother's like, right? He's like, how do you check that kind of thing, right? I mean, why did he do this? Why would he do something like this? I mean, there are guards standing at the door say, hey, do you got ID? You know what I'm saying? It's like, why in the world would Paul do this? It says something loud and clear about the Apostle Paul and about his desire to win people to Jesus. 
that you and I need to hear. Paul refuses to offend the very people that he's trying to win. It's not lucky, it's not a good thing for Timothy, right? But he wanted to go so bad with Paul that he agreed to the circumcision. Paul refused to offend the very people he wanted to win. And he was willing to make sure that when they went to the public bathhouse or someone saw Timothy, that they would know that, that they, when he was in Jewish company, that they would not just immediately shut them off because they weren't Jewish. This is the same Paul who in 1 Corinthians 9 says this. As they traveled from, oh, I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead of myself, aren't I? There you go. I might go back to that other slide. Though I am free, this is what Paul says to the Corinthians. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone. To win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I have become like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but I am under Christ's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak I've become weak. To win the weak I've become all things to all people. So that I, by all possible means, I might save some. I do all of this. Listen, I do all of this for the sake of the gospel. So that I might share in its blessings. Paul, who was against circumcision, circumcises Timothy... Because he wants to make sure that the very people he's going to reach will accept them. It's a strange thing, right? Paul's all in. Paul's sold out. Paul is committed to one thing. Not being right. Not being what he, getting what he wants. Not have, pushing his idea or his agenda. But Paul has one thing in mind. Win some at all me- means possible. Timothy's pretty committed too, right? Acts chapter 16, verse 6 and 8. Our main portion of the text. So Paul now and his companions traveled through the region of, of, anybody want to say that? Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Next verse. When they came to the border of Mysia, They tried to enter Bithynia. You're all laughing because I picked this passage this week. But the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to go. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Tros. 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 However you want to say it. Next verse. Oh, go back. Sorry. I'm going to stop right there. So, I've given you the background. I've given you set up the past. Now he's on his mission. Let me ask you something. How, when you and I go away for a little while, 
we could probably pack in a day. Is that fair to say? Except my wife. I love you, hon. She's home recovering from sinus surgery. Um, you know, maybe a day. How big of a deal was it for three guys to get together and then begin to travel this long trip that they're about to take? They're probably going to be gone a year or more. It's a big deal, right? So they came, so they begin to prepare, but Paul plans that he makes, the, 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 the travel plans he makes take an unexpected turn. He tries to enter Asia to preach the gospel, right? And the Holy Spirit stops them. We don't know how the Holy Spirit stops them. I don't know if they just wouldn't let them in. There was a border crossing. I don't know if somebody got sick. I don't know what happened. But for some reason, they looked around and said, oh, it's apparent to us God doesn't want us to go there. But Paul's like, but I really wanted to go to Asia. I mean, I just traveled a long way to go to Asia. And God says no. So they take another route. And this time they're going down to, they're trying to get to Bithynia. And they're stopped there also at the border. And the Holy Spirit stops him and says no. I don't know how he stopped them. I don't know what happened. I don't know if someone got sick. I don't know if there was, you know, a bomb threat. I don't know what happened. All we know is they looked around and said, oh, the Holy Spirit prevented us from going to Asia. That was our first destination. We had to turn around and go a whole nother way. Then we tried to go to Bithynia, and we really want to go to Bithynia because, you know, they've got that restaurant down on the corner of 3rd and 6th, and we really want to go there, and the people there are accepting us. We, we know they need the gospel. They, we know that we need to go, and they can't go. You ever do anything that you thought was good, helpful, maybe even godly? even in God's will, but you, it just didn't work out. Maybe even failed at it. And you begin to doubt, and you begin to wonder, do I really know God's will here? Am I really doing the right thing? Am I going the right direction? I mean, you know, for us to say, hey, Paul went up to Asia, this was a big deal. This was a long travel. They walked everywhere they went. There were no trains, there were no planes, and there were no automobiles. You know, they just went, and it was a long trip. And to not get to go into Asia, and then to go all the way back and go to Bithynia and can't go there— I wonder if they started wondering, am I even, do I even know God's will here? Should we even be on this trip? What do you want, God? What do you need from us? You thought you were doing good, doing what you needed to, and it just didn't work out. I wonder what was going through their minds, right? Did we make the mistake? What are we doing here? I'm sure that Paul is confused at this point. He really believed that he needed to go to Asia. He really believed he needed to go this direction to, through Bithynia. Bithynia. Paul probably had his entire trip planned for these two destinations. Paul probably had his entire trip planned on Google and waypoints and hotel reservations and tickets bought and money and all this and so now it's not working out borders have been crossed planes grounded i'm sorry borders have been closed planes have been grounded buses have been parked 
and life is not turning out quite as they thought it might at that moment. Reminds me of a trip last year that I took to India. I went to see there in northern India to be with my good friend James Chakao. And he and I were going to be driving there from Chandigarh for about six to eight hours, I believe, up through Kashmir and to a little place up there in Kashmir where there were 150 pastors coming who are hungry for this kind of thing, to meet, to gather, to be trained, to plant churches. And I remember the morning that I woke up. This was the day I'd traveled thousands of miles on an airplane and stayed for days and had a 10-day trip planned and we were going up to Kashmir to do this 150 pastor training there near the Pakistani border and that morning war broke out in Kashmir and I turned the TV on and you know I don't know Hindi but I kind of made out what was going on James calls me. He says, well, he says, it looks like we're probably not going to be able to go that way. And I had those thoughts. Was this an ill-advised trip? I mean, I came here for 10 days. I just didn't come to see the sights. I had prepared and spent hours preparing and planning, and it just didn't work. It wasn't working out. What could we do? James got on the phone, and God opened up doors. We went over to Punjab, and there near the Pakistani border, we met with over 100 pastors who within a day drove and traveled to gather in this little brick church that y'all, they'd look around at this and say, oh, man. And we spent three days in training with them and just met some great people. When God... It's okay to knock on doors. But when the door won't open, we have to trust that God is directing us to a different door. That God hasn't given up on us. God hasn't given up on the mission. God hasn't given up on His will in the world. It's just that God is directing. Verse 9. I want to move through this here for you. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man in Macedonia So Paul's blocked from two different areas. He's traveled. Now he's spending the night in this area in Tros, and Tros, however you want to say it. And during the night, he has a vision. I guess maybe it was a dream. It says a vision. And a man of Macedonia was standing, begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. Next verse. After Paul had seen the vision, we got, this is an interesting line, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. This tells me that Luke is in the party. Somehow Luke is joined up with Paul and Silas and Timothy, and Luke, who's writing this, is in the party. And Luke says, we didn't know, we didn't know what's going on, but Paul had this vision to go to Macedonia, and we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia. Concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. I know, but what about the Asian people? God loves them too, right? Yeah. What about the people in, down toward Blithenia? God likes, loves them too, right? Yeah. 
And it makes sense and seems right to go because it's within God's will. But God had a very distinct directive for them. And they were listening. And they were praying. And they were asking God to show them, what should we do, Lord? So Paul now learns that God directs our lives, not all at once, but God's will comes to us as an unfolding as we live. Paul learns that God directs our lives not all at once, but as we are going, even in the wrong direction. Get this, Paul is in trouse. He's been blocked from the two destinations, shut down. God closes the door. He prevents them from going to closed doors and the vision for Paul is now an open door to go to Macedonia. Paul had faith that God was directing his life. He listened for God to show him and to speak to him, to tell him in his gut and in his mind, this is the right thing, Paul. God directed Paul and his team When a door closes, God will direct us to another. Paul learned a lesson about the will of God in this experience. While we all can agree that people in Asia and Bithynia need to hear the gospel, that falls under God's universal will that none should perish. But Paul learned this, that God's will for my life will unfold as we go in Jesus' name. I think all of us are seekers. I think we are. I think all of us are seeking God's direction. We want to know right and wrong. We want to know what God wants. We want to know what God thinks. How do I determine God's will in this situation? How do I know God is directing this? It's an important question. And I think we all ponder on it from time to time, even those who don't follow Jesus. People want to think that there is a higher power, someone who knows more than me, that can direct my life. There's a quote by an author named Kevin DeYoung who wrote Do Something, which was a book that he wrote. Here's a quote from his book. The most important decision that we face is the daily decision to live for Christ and die to self. That's God's will for you. If we do those two things, then we are free to choose between jobs and schools and locations. God wants us to stop obsessing about the future and trust that he holds the future. Next next slide. We should put aside the passivity and the perfectionism and the quest for the perfect fulfillment and get on with our lives. God does not have this specific plan that he means for us to decipher ahead of time. You say, well, pastor, why are you telling us this? Because sometimes when we're trying to decipher what it is God wants us to do, We get frozen in time and we wait for him to make it completely clear. And the truth is, sometimes it unfolds as you go. Sometimes 
Yes, God wants you to follow him. Yes, God wants you to learn from him. Yes, God wants you to become more like Jesus. Yes, God may have a specific calling. I remember when God called me to preach. I, I got that from a, a dream. I had a vision of me doing this. And I woke up sweaty and cold and frustrated as a 16-year-old kid. And I remember God calling me that, and I thought, there's absolutely no way that that's me. I can't do this. And maybe you've had those experiences. But sometimes we simply step out into the vision, into the mission of God. We go to our neighbor. We go to this place. We take that job. We don't take that job. Sometimes they're wrong decisions. Sometimes God blocks those things. But as we are going, God begins to unfold His will for us. And let me say this. God's will for you is not that you be comfortable and live a great life. God's will for you always intersects with His mission. God's will for you will unfold as you begin to step into the kingdom of God, into the mission of God, and begin to do something for the kingdom of God. This is what happened to Paul and Silas, and Luke, and Timothy. They stepped into the mission to go and strengthen the churches. And they wanted to go into Asia, and God said, nope, well, maybe we were wrong. Let's just go home. Paul did not just sit around and wait for God to make it crystal clear. He didn't just wait for the perfect opportunity. He did not wait for a clear assurance that this is God's will. No, Paul was on the move. Listen, Paul did something and God led as Paul went. Can I have a confessional moment with you? I know I'm going to get crucified for this, but that's all right. I don't understand when people in my church just sit and say, let me pray about that. You want to know what I really think when you say that? Now you're not ever going to say that to me, are you? You want to know what I really think when there's an opportunity for the kingdom and you say, let me pray about that. Really? Really? you gotta, you got to pray about that. Your pastor thinks you'd make a great small group leader and you could really influence some young couples or you could really influence a group of people. You could help disciple people. You really need to pray about that? What's God's universal will? Go and make disciples. We should all be growing in our faith to a point where we begin to bring others in. Lift others up. Help disciple other people. It's just like natural life. As you grow from a child, you need someone to parent you. But as you begin to grow and become a parent yourself, you need to parent others. And I think to myself sometimes, really? You really need to think, well, okay, I'm not going to tell you not to pray about it, but go ahead. You want to know what I really hear? 
well, pastor, I don't really want to do that. Let me go tell God all the reasons why I can't, and then I'll get back to you. Maybe he'll let me off the hook. You all know that I am not a guilter, right? Nancy, you know that, right? I will just, I just let you go. But I also see it as my responsibility and as my calling to equip and encourage you and to prepare you for the good works that God has laid out for you. And as a church, we go into the mission of God. And I know it's getting late and I'm going to wrap this up. But I don't... I think people who just simply have to pray about it are probably the ones who would judge Paul for being such a failure in Asia or such a failure in Bithany. I mean, after two failures and a lot of wasted resources and a lot of wasted time and a lot of wasted direction and a lot of more, I'm wondering what the morale was in the group. I mean, man, we wanted to go here and it didn't work out. We wanted to go here and it didn't work out. I mean, I'm starting to wonder if Paul really knows where he's going. I'm wondering if Paul knows what he's doing. I mean, you know, let's just go find another one group, right? And, and I wonder if the people who just simply need to always pray about things but never do anything would be the ones who would judge Paul and accuse him of making wrong decisions. Listen, God cannot direct me. I got a slide for that. God cannot direct me if I'm not moving. God can't guide me if I'm not moving, if I'm not going, if I'm not stepping out, if I'm not taking risks. Listen to me, church. Do something for the kingdom of God every day. Whether that means just simply going and seeing how your neighbor's doing, if that means stepping up and teaching a, leading a small group, if that means helping out with the children, if that means going into your community to volunteer at the homeless shelter, whatever it is, go. Because it's okay. You don't have to be clear and have this perfect, well, Working at homeless shelters, that's not really God's will for me. You never know if you don't go. You'll never know. And you know what? God might close a door on you. God might say, no, I don't need you to do this, but I do need you to do this. Take a risk. Step out and give your time. Give your talents. Give your treasure. It might fail. God might close the door. But I promise you this. You will begin to see God work and move through you because He will guide you through every decision that you make, whether it's right or wrong. He might close those doors, but He'll always open another. Why? Because God is a way maker. He makes ways for us to to build the kingdom. Think about this for a moment. Paul might never have gone to Macedonia, and the church may never have flourished there if he didn't first fail in Asia and Bithynia. Think about that. He may never have made it to Macedonia if he didn't first try to get into Asia. Paul was simply trying to knock down doors. What do you think, church? Imagine if all of us would simply go with the gospel.
to love and care and to share with our community and with our people. They're going to come and sing. We're going to let you out of here. They got a great song. I ask you to pray this morning. Not let me pray about that as in, I don't know, I'm pretty busy. I don't want to do that. But maybe more, what can I do, Lord? You need me to go here? I'll go there. You need me to go there? And then just go and see what God does through you. Amen.